0: monday everybody and welcome back to the couchside judges i'm scott fontana you can follow me on twitter at scott underscore fontana or shoot me a dm
1: and i'm dan urban you can find me at dan urban mma you can also follow the podcast on twitter at couchside judges you can also subscribe on apple spotify or wherever you're listening
0: and if you're listening on apple or anywhere you can rate our podcast please give it a five-star rating if you enjoy what you hear and we talk about judging on this
1: podcast, so you can find the MMA criteria at abcboxing.com. dot com.
0: Dan, obviously, uh, we had we had a big decision happen over the weekend, but we're going to talk about some smaller ones that had more to do with fighting than uh, than America. <laughs> I'm more interested in the fighting. Yeah. Well, yeah we'll save that for another day. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously we had the main event here between Glover Teixeira and Thiago Santos that did not go the distance uh with Teixeira getting the rear naked choke submission in the third round. Wild fight. It was a very wild fight.
1: Typical of Glover though to get rocked and then, you know, get, survive it and get a takedown.
0: I mean, it was it was typical but like This fight was not a typical fight (laughs) by any stretch. You had had round one. I I know what you're saying, of course. But, I mean, you had round one, which was basically two rounds because you had in the beginning with Teixeira just getting smacked up by Santos. looks like that fight's not going to go anywhere. And then the remainder of the round, he's defending off his back and kind of just eating some small punches for probably the majority of the round, right?
1: I thought he was eating a little bit more than just some punches. I thought he was eating some good elbows, too. You know, when I watched this round,
0: and, you know, it's rounds like this that they give me trouble as a total amateur judge sitting at home because you have a situation where you're saying, okay, who's winning the effective striking here? And to me, the most effective striking is the fact that Teixeira was almost done. He was hurt for sure, but he was it was really very... bad. I see mean, he, he survived it, of course, but that was very... I just didn't, I didn't perceive what was being done back to him over the majority of the round to be quite as significant, or I should use the better term, effective. So, you know, when I watched this, I was very torn, but I was in the camp that gave this round to Santos for his early work. And and I understand why all three judges in this case went for Teixeira, but it's just one of those things that I, I guess I have trouble with these type of rounds. uh, trying to figure out who you really ought to give the round.
1: Well, the thing is it's a very small portion of the round that Santos had any uh, significant offense. It was maybe 30 seconds worth before he's on his back. And then Teixeira's passing, going to mount, landing elbows, landing punches uh, for the majority of the round. I think he definitely wipes
0: out anything Santos did. See, this this round in particular kind of reminded me of something that happened a few weeks ago on Fight Island. It was a prelim fight, and we talked about this on the show, between Frost Zium and Jamie Malarkey. And in this round, for those who don't remember, and I don't know if you remember, Dan, but in this round, Malarkey did a lot of grappling without landing any strikes. We're not talking about the same type of round as the Teixeira round here, but it was a round where Malarkey didn't really do a whole lot of striking at all until the final minute. And it was really only 30 seconds that Ziem was able to get any offense in. And that was almost the entire round of offense. It, it all came from him, but it was only in that 30-second window, other than grappling, which was not very effective grappling from Malarkey. So when I look at something like that, and Ziem got that round because his striking, even in that small window, was more effective than anything that Malarkey did. When I think of a round like that, it kind of makes me think. Well, okay, it's it's okay if not the majority of the round the damage is coming from one guy because it was more effective coming from him. But I understand why all three judges would go that way too. It's uh, but it, you know it's it's kind of one of those things that I feel like there's there's a certain amount of debate that you can have, you know.
1: Well, the thing here with Malarkey is now you did jar my memory. It, he did nothing. He held yeah. his, he held position. Glover wasn't just holding position. He, no, he, of course I agree. Is, is
0: they're different, but similar, at least in, in terms of what they jog my memory. But keep going. It's
1: Glover's passing to mount. He's landing elbows. He's continuously putting it together. Effective striking on the top. Just because his his short bursts aren't as effective as Tiago's initial or only offense of the round. Over time, it's going to add up, and it's going to surpass it.
0: Yeah. No, I understand. I it's it's certainly nothing I don't understand and, and hopefully people understand at home. Um but I do feel like that there's there's something to be said for how do you decide where the point comes between man, Santos had him really hurt. Tishere never had him really hurt, but he did spend most of the round landing decently, you know, from top. And and being in good positions to do so. So I, I feel like there's just a, a case where you can make an argument for both guys. Although, again, the majority, you know, all three judges saw it one way. So they, you know, they clearly have an idea of how things like this should be done, you know.
1: Yeah, I, I understand what the argument you're making. But uh, I don't want it to dive into now. Okay, what was the one most effective technique for the round? And we're going to decide the winner on that.
0: Yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's necessarily the case either. Um, but I do think you know again, you're talking about effective striking. What's what was most effective? And to me, that's that's where that comes in. But yeah, again, I'm not really fighting very hard on this. I I do see why it would go that way. But I think it's it's an interesting uh, thought to discuss. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I'm with you.
0: Yeah, but you know again, Mike Bell, Derek Cleary, Sal D'Amato, they all saw it the same way. That's how judges see it. That informs me. For the future, when I see a round like this, yeah, for sure. And of course, everyone agreed the next round was a ten-eight. <laughs> that was that was pretty good.
1: There, yeah, you don't have a case for that one.
0: And of course, you know the the third round ended up looking a lot like the first round, except Teixeira was finally able to get that finish. Except jiu-jitsu pre- prevails. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. I, I love I love Glover. He's he's just so likable. You know, everyone basically fawned over him after this, including myself, uh, after his victory here. Me, I believe, and I said this already on social media, that if I was to invite one fighter to come to a barbecue just to have a good time, it'd be Glover. He, feel, he feels like, he feel like someone he would be like, he would just hang out really well at a barbecue, just be chill, a nice presence, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, you don't want a Diaz brother there?
0: I don't know how chill it would be.
1: <laughs> They're going to be high.
0: The tension would just be a little too high, I think.
1: <laughs> but anyway, the big, big debate now is, did they jump the gun giving Adesanya the title shot? Of course they did. They did it last time.
0: I, I, I felt that same way before. Now I feel it even more.
1: You think there's any chance they rethink it?
0: No. They should. They should, but they won't. No, not a chance. There's zero chance. The only reason they'll get rethought is if someone gets hurt. That's it. Glover versus
1: uh, Blokovic is much more interesting to me than Adesanya. I think Glover has a really great shot at winning. The belt this way. I don't think he would have that as good a shot against Adesanya.
0: I mean, I do too. I don't necessarily want to match make based on who Glover has the better chance to beat. I just it makes it more interesting for me. It, well, yeah, for sure. I, I want to hey, see. I want to see the, with, with the belt. I just think it's not it's not time yet to put Adesanya into this fight. I think there's more work to be done at middleweight. I think they're just the only compelling thing about this fight is the fact that Adesanya is going for a second belt. How is this compelling from the other side, from the champion side? is it all that interesting to see new champ Jan Blachowicz, who's finally taking over in the post John Jones light heavyweight era? And I don't know what he is as a champ or not, but like, what does this do for him if he wins? It doesn't do anything for his legacy.
1: No, it's just another if he wins, he's
0: just moves on. No, now he's, you know, he's won that championship fight and you know, they say, you know, you're not really the champ until you've defended it, right?
1: Right. I just hope, say, Jan wins, and now he's like, oh, only super fights. That's all I want. I don't think, I don't know that that would happen. (laughs) I I don't know. Sometimes you get a big win like that under your belt, and then, you know, things change.
0: Yeah, but I think, I think Dana can compel him to take a fight against Glover to share next if needed.
1: I think he'd rather fight Glover. I think he's, I think he thinks it's more of a challenge. He probably would.
0: Well, I'm with them. I, I hope that fight happens. I just, you know, I don't, I don't see them straying from the course. They clearly thought this through, Dana and and Israel Adesanya. They sat in a room. They said, "This is what I want." And Dana's like, "Yeah, I can make money off of that," and that's what they're doing. Because, you know, it is, you know, it's a business enterprise for them, and that's how they're going to book it. It's not about putting on the best fights. You know, there was, there were times. There are times where that's what it's about, and there are times where it's not what it's about. You know. And right now that's not what it's about. It L- bothers me, but it is what it is.
1: Listen to this. This just came to me. Go on. Clearly Dana sees something major with Shemayev. Sure. He's getting Izzy out of eighty five, getting him to two oh five. Because he okay. he wants to push Chemayev towards the eighty five title.
0: I mean, that's entirely possible too. Who knows? Uh, you know. Is that, that's what, <laughs> is it that is. what Dana sat down and said, This is what I want to do, or is it something where He's planning for that contingency, yeah, it's, it's probably more of the latter in my opinion, and but you know it makes It be-
1: makes me believe John Jones is a hundred percent heavyweight.
0: I mean, I thought that was pretty much the plan anyway. I'm pretty sure he's just putting on bulk, and he's going to go up to heavyweight. I mean what what is there for him to do at 205 other than the Adesanya fight, which they're clearly trying to build toward? but
1: that's what I thought I they know. were good doing, but now i'm on, I'm on this Chimaev uh, conspiracy thing.
0: <laughs>
1: that's what I'm on.
0: I don't know. I I'm not pleased with it. I think Teixeira deserves another shot. You know, he had a shot at John Jones a bunch of years ago. It didn't work out. Obviously, you know, Jones was, is was better. But I think I think a fighter like Teixeira deserves one more chance in the sun, and not just because we like him, but because he's earned it. You know, he's he's on a really good roll now. I think it's time. He just beat the number one contender. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with that at all. And, he finished. I him. hope I hope it finds a way to happen. Sooner than later, but I'm, I'm concerned that it's not going to happen. All right.
1: but You know, we, we had a, a couple of contested
0: rounds. We did. We did. We are, we are the couchside judges. We do talk about judging on the show, don't we? I guess we got to get to that, right? Yeah, might as well. Yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> Coleman event, I think, is what we want to lead off with, right? Andrei Arlovsky getting the unanimous decision nod over Tanner Bozer. 29-28s all across the board. Nothing Nothing out of the ordinary when you look at it like that. But then you look at a scorecard, and you see that every single judge was in the minority on each round.
1: Yeah, every single round was uh, dis- uh, disputed.
0: There- <laughs> this is one of the things that, like, if you don't look at the scorecards, no one's ever going to know. But we caught you guys, you judges. We caught you. <laughs> <laughs> so now, so let's talk about it. This was this was honestly, it was a very close fight on the whole. So, like, I'm not, I don't think it's crazy that all the rounds were split. But we might as well dig in, right?
1: So, yeah, two counter-strikers with heavy power. Uh, They were a bit gunshot shy whole fight. I guess they didn't want to get yeah, knocked out.
0: especially in the first round. The first round was definitely the worst of it.
1: Yeah, all three of these rounds are, were very close, and I think you can make an argument for any scorecard. 30-27 for each side and
0: 29-28 for each side. Yeah, you probably could, but, uh, you know, let's let's start with the first. I mean, how did you go here?
1: 10-9 Arlovsky. Really, really slow round. I thought Boza was landing some leg kicks. He landed a couple punches. He didn't really throw that many. Uh, and Arlovski was keeping up with him. He landed a few leg kicks of his own, but clearly he cleared it up for me at the end. That was the biggest strike uh, of the round. Like uh, like we mentioned before, I don't want yeah, to judge. Big
0: punch from Arlowski. That That's what did it for me too.
1: I don't want to judge based on one strike. I'm not saying he won the round because of that strike. I'm saying he cleared it up with that strike.
0: Yeah, I was leaning his way as well, like very, very slightly, but that punch, I mean, it was it was very much the biggest, most effective strike of the round, um, and it did make it very easy for me to go that way, um, and I would have to think that must have helped in Chrisley and Ron McCarthy going the same way as you and I did for Arlovsky. Uh, Eric Cologne was the one who dissented. I'm sure he saw the leg kicks as the, the more effective offense, and that's viable to me.
1: Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, no problems there. Round two, which way did you go here? I gave it to Bozer. Okay, and you and I were both in agreement on that one, along with Chris Lee. Uh,
1: yeah, I. The light kicks were the deciding factor for me in this one. Okay, I thought they were pretty. They, I thought they were stronger in this round than they were in round one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would have to agree. You know. I'd, Solid leg kicks over round, and, and you know he had a few big effective punches, too. Not that Orlovsky didn't have them as well, uh, which is why I can understand that we are in the minority here with Cologne and McCarthy going for Orlovsky here.
1: Yeah, and I believe that this this round, Orlovsky uh, landed a big strike at the end, too. So you can see perhaps maybe that swayed it for the other judges. Uh, that spinning back fist at the end.
0: Yeah, no, it's not not a problem here. This is, this is perfectly fine. You, you know, it's one of those things that I think frustrates a lot of people when they see, oh, man, the judges can't agree on anything, but, <laughs> I mean, was there uni- unanimity on Twitter on this one? But we've been told they're not there to agree.
1: They're there to score no. a fight, how they see it.
0: That's true. That's why they have three judges. That the, That is what we're told, is that the reason you have three judges is so that you at least get a majority of people saying that. Mm-hmm. But round three, again, another close one, but I... I thought this was a close one because there was more action on both sides.
1: Yes. I thought this was the, the probably the toughest round to score, I think.
0: Uh, I would I was to say round one was, but but yeah, it was really close. Uh Arlovsky landed the bigger shots,
1: uh big right hands. Uh but Poser yes. Bo, had the leg kicks and he had some decent punches of his own. I, I just leaned Arlovsky on this one.
0: Yeah, I mean you summed it up really well. This is this is how I felt as well, and and I went with Orlovsky here. And so did two out of the three judges. That was Colon and Lee. McCarthy was the one who saw this for Bozer. Uh, again, hard to argue here. You know, the leg kicks were strong throughout. And, I mean, if you saw Lasky, uh leaving the cage, he had a nasty weld on his leg. Yeah, he did. His leg was beat up. Oh, uh, yeah. It was so raw. He's he's not walking around well today.
1: I would have liked to be in that conversation afterwards because each each guy was, as you mentioned was the minority for each round Mm -hmm. so uh, no one is like there's no like tag team on each other it'd be i think it'd be an interesting conversation
0: well you know what's funny is even though everyone disagreed and it was unanimous 29 28s two out of three judges in every single round saw it for Orlovsky. so when you when you look at kind of the you know the you know who won the aggregate in each round it's really like a 30 27 for Arlovsky. But that, again, that's not how things work. It's just, it's an interesting thing to see here.
1: Yeah, I think we expected more things from Bozer. He's had a great summer.
0: It was, yeah, I mean, he was a little gunshy here. But, but again, you have someone like Arlovsky who he's literally been doing this at the UFC or, you know, in other high level organizations outside the UFC for 20 years. The crazy
1: thing is everyone thought, oh, his chin's gone, he's done. And now all of a sudden, he's able to take these shots. Like, I don't know how you rejuvenate your chin.
0: I, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe it's just one of those things we don't really understand how it works when your chin is supposedly fading or going. You know, I'm, is there a whole lot of science being done on this or is this just anecdotal? It seems like one of those things that maybe we just don't know enough.
1: Yeah, I was in the lab with it. I
0: was really researching it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> Get your get your science on board. There's some other sciencey things you could do with that research these days.
1: Yeah, well, I got time for that. I'm stuck on fights.
0: That's true. That's true. Uh, and on to the next one. I think right. We we've covered this one pretty well. We only had a couple other rounds to talk about in two different fights. Right, Darren Elkins, and he gets the rear naked choke against Eduardo Garagori in the third round. But we did have two rounds scored, and in round two there was some dissent here. I saw it for Garagori 10-9. As did so I. did Saldamato and and Dave Hagan. You did too? Yeah, I, I saw this one for Garagori. Okay. Eric Colon was in the minority here for Elkins.
1: Yeah, this one, I, I have a, a tougher time seeing this one for Elkins. I thought the damaging strikes came from Garagori. I don't think Elkins did much in that department. Every time Garagori landed, it seemed like Elkins would try to shoot, get it back to the ground. Like He wanted no part of the striking.
0: Yeah, I I really thought that those punches were connecting really hard, uh, and I didn't think he was taking all that much damage in return. You know, uh, regardless of the the top control and, and some striking that we had from Elkins down there, I just I didn't see it very strongly. If I had to take a wager at why Cologne might have gone that way, I would say you know Elkins did land a pretty big takedown, right? It was it was a little more high amplitude, right? And then you know he had some strikes on the ground, like we talked about. I can understand how that would be the argument. I disagree with it. Um, but it is one of those things that you do have to take note of the fact that maybe the takedown was bigger than we thought. We're at home. Maybe it didn't look as big uh, to us as it did to him.
1: Yeah, maybe it had more impact. Uh, I just thought it, the damage was definitely weighing in Garagori's favor.
0: I agree. I, I think I think we, we can tick off damage pretty well for Garagori here. I think he had enough uh, to get done here. Although, I have to say, you know, I post my scores after rounds on social media uh, when I'm able to watch live, and I did that for this one. So, I po- you know, I said, you know, Garagori 10-9 on this one. And, of course, you get some Weisenheimer who says, oh, I should change my uh, my handle to the name of a prominent uh, Las Vegas-based judge. And, and that that was not meant as a compliment. And, uh, you know, it almost <laughs> made me cry, except that it really didn't. <laughs> Go, okay. Well, maybe he maybe uh, he
1: complimented you with not the intention to compliment you.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe it was meant as a compliment. Yeah, there was not really uh, a context necessarily. Maybe I'm interpreting it wrong. So, you know, maybe I should consider doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but one more round. That's that's really all we have for for this fight. The other round that we want to talk about it was in another fight that was finished. Uh, in gruesome fashion, which we'll talk about later in the third round. But round one, there was a little bit of disagreement. And this was in the fight between Max Griffin and Ramiz Brahimai. And round one, this was where I saw it for Griffin. Me too. Did you too? Yeah, yeah, you did too. Okay. Yep. I think we saw everything the same way on this one, didn't we? we <laughs> except we for, for Santos, yeah. like we talked about. But uh, Griffin here, I, you know, we had the agreement from Ron McCarthy and Junichiro Camijo, But it was Mike Bell who saw this one for Brahim Mai. Now why did you give it to Griffin?
1: I thought his jab was really working. He wasn't landing many big shots, but he definitely was winning in the volume category. Brahim Mai was throwing a lot, but he looked to me like he was missing a lot.
0: I yeah, I think I think I would agree with that. I, I didn't see a whole lot of like really good lands, but it wasn't a big round for Griffin either.
1: No, this was uh, not as much output in this round.
0: No, it was it was a slower start. Yeah, you know, we saw more later. I don't have a a very big gripe with Mike Bell going this way, but I I did feel pretty good about Griffin taking this one.
1: Yeah, I I'm good with Griffin. Yeah, I
0: mean, you just you want to see more successful lands. I think to to be able to put a stamp on it, so that you'd really make a you know, if a judge was to go opposite of you and you'd really put a stamp on that, yeah, I, I think it'd be a reason to be mad. U- ultimately, it didn't matter, of course, because. Griffin <laughs> just destroyed My's ear in the third round. That was disgusting.
1: That was beautiful.
0: Uh, we, I, like I said, we'll get to that one in just a moment because we do want to highlight, of course, the fact that not a whole lot of fights uh gone the distance on this one, but we did have some unanimous rounds. Of course, the judges agreed in to Share Santos, like we talked about. Trevin Giles, he got the third round TKO. But the first two rounds, all three judges thought went his way 10-9 over Bavon Lewis. Jan Nan got the 29-28s all the way through against Claudio Godelia Gedelia won the first round with Jan winning the next two. And Raoni Barcelos getting a 30-27 over Khalid Taha. Obviously, there's agreement there. Oh, yeah. But now we got to get to these finishes. And I believe your favorite was, in fact, that disgusting ear basically falling off of Brahimai, right? Yep,
1: and I'm proving everyone wrong because we had four submissions on this one. I don't always pick a sub.
0: That's right, that's right. You just need someone's body part to sever from their head. It was awesome, but
1: I also picked this because it's not a typical way a fight ends. When someone's ears hurt, I mean, it, is it really affecting their ability to fight? I don't think so. But No. they're, they're in very severe danger of losing a body part. So the fight has to Yeah,
0: yeah. This this one, no question, even though it didn't affect their ability to defend themselves. I mean I guess you could kind of make the argument because if they're trying to worry about their ear not falling off. He did touch it. But their job is to protect the fighter, you know, like ultimately and and protecting Brahimai in this situation is to make sure that his ear can be salvaged. Uh, And and that was unfortunate that it had to happen to him.
1: Of the three ear TKOs I can think of He's the only fighter that is like, you know what? I, I'm happy you stopped it because I like keeping my ear.
0: The other, now, which are the other two? The other two of?
1: was uh, I forget who was the female fighter. Her ear popped.
0: That, you're talk I think you're talking about Leslie Smith.
1: Correct. And Kimbo Slice smashed James Thompson's ear, popped it open.
0: Yep. And yeah, he, these are the only two I was thinking of as well.
1: And he looked like he was going to kill the referee after that.
0: Well, I mean, that's Kimbo Slice is what is what he was gonna do. He was paid a lot of money not to lose, so well, no, Kimbo won. Oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, James Thompson, like he, James Thompson was like the one who's mad. You're right, Gary.
0: Like you, well, I'd be, I'd be mad too. I mean, this was these these guys come from kind of a different era. I know, but I'm saying Bra-
1: Brahimi didn't seem upset. He's like, yeah, my ear's gonna fall off, I'm happy you stopped it.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's nice when you have a fighter understand uh, their physical limits and know that there's another day to be had here especially he wasn't going to win the fight he was starting to get really beat up pretty bad his eye was all bruised up you know it was not it was not looking great for him at that point so i I think i think it's it's a really great case of serendipity where everybody agreed that this was the right course of action
1: yeah but uh what was your favorite fight i'm sorry what was your favorite what was your favorite finish
0: my favorite finish was the hackiest of subs Alexander Romanov getting the forearm choke that puts Marcos Rogerio de Lima out cold.
1: You know what? That's such a technique where you're like, okay, I'm never going to tap to this baloney, <laughs> whatever this is, and you just end up going to sleep because you just don't yeah. respect something with such little technique behind it. I mean, maybe there is a technique there. I mean,
0: the guy, I mean, my understanding is that this isn't the first time he's gone for or succeeded in getting this choke.
1: I guess there's something there. I, you know what it is? It's probably the guy in the bottom just doesn't respect it.
0: I think that's probably a lot of it.
1: But yeah, it, it, it worked. Put the guy out. Whatever works.
0: And yeah, I want to say that an honorable mention too to a fighter we've highlighted on this sh- this uh, show many times because he's had a bunch of decisions this year. Giga Chikadze finally didn't need the judges getting the head kick TKO over Jamie Simmons. You know, you know a late replacement fighter, very much a and out of his depth against Giga. Here, but nonetheless, put on a great show, and and he's been putting on a show all year. So it's nice to see him finally get the finish that's eluded him.
1: I'm glad he got a finish because now it's like, okay, we saw him finish. Now maybe step up in competition.
0: Oh, he's been ready for that for a while. I think they just they haven't succeeded in getting a guy in front of him. You know, whether it's on his end or the other end, uh, because I believe he had COVID at one point, or someone in his team did, so he had a fight scrap. So now, hopefully. He will get that step up in competition. I, you know, if they want to step him up really high and give him someone in the rankings that you know is more notable, Jeremy Stevens, like they were talking about, I think that's a that's a fun fight. I would enjoy that.
1: Uh, I, I'd watch J- Jeremy Stevens fight a cardboard box and be entertained. So, I disagree. You can, you can put him up against anybody.
0: I disagree. I, don't, I wouldn't <laughs> go that far, but I, I respect <laughs> I respect the uh, the love for Jeremy Stevens' fight uh, capabilities, uh, especially his, his ability to entertain us.
1: And that's going to do it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. We'll be back again on Friday to break down Saturday's action at UFC Apex, where we're really not sure what the main event's going to be, but it should include Rafael Dos Anjos.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'd have to think so. There's not really a fight on this card that they would elevate. So we'll see what the heck they can manage to scrounge up over the next few days, right?
1: Yeah, so hopefully by Friday we'll know. And, uh,
0: you know, we'll make sure we'll give a pass judgment for you. We'll we'll get something fun to talk about uh, ahead of that as well. Yep.
1: Yep. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again on Friday. Take care, everybody.